Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. You might have noticed just in the trying to prepare, we have a new kitten, as you know. Many of you know, <laughs> like shooting through the house and like knocking over the iPad often. You never know what little Bodhidharma will be up to. <laughs> The joy. Hmm. How will you care for your practice today is the question, a reflection for today. How do we care for our practice today? And, you know, and then I was also really thinking about the reflection of planting your staff as a place of practice about really thinking about Daokai and who Dogen is talking about today and really thinking about his um, steadfastness in the practice and with his teacher. And, you know, it was about a moment when Soto Zen, which was then in China called Kaodong, was about to kind of slip into maybe non-existence and learning to, it was just his steadfastness, his planting his staff, that actually is one of the reasons why we are here today. I mean, I just feel such immense gratitude. Almost more than a thousand years ago, because some person was like, it completely matters. All of us in our little Zoom rooms, our little boxes in the midst of our life can benefit. I always think like, wow, a thousand years from now, how will my practice, how will our practice benefit others? very much like the kind of, you know, indigenous people of this land, they're, you know, often they're thinking was like, how are these decisions going to affect seven generations from now? And as many of you know, I love thinking about, you know, big expanse, not really thinking about just my life and my problems, my situation. So the text says, there are times when others have awakened me with their merit. So this is what Dogen's talking about. Being moved by 
the benefit other people have done. But I'm forcing you to follow my advice. <laughs> have you seen this verse by a teacher of old? Rice without millet from fields in the mountains, yellow pickled vegetables, eat as you like. Otherwise, leave it to east and west. Please, fellow travelers, each of you make effort. Take care. Dogen says, these words of Dokai are the bones and marrow of the ancestral school transmitted person to person. And he says, although there are many examples of Dokai's continuous practice, I'm only presenting this piece of his talk. Those of us who come after Dokai should long for and study the continuous practice he needed. I love that, that he needed, like kneading dough. I'm out Furong. It was the genuine form and spirit of Shakyamuni Buddha at Jadagra. So this poem of Dokai's, he feels, you know, really sums it up. Rice without millet from fields in the mountains, yellow pickled vegetables, eat as you like. So rice sometimes in some Zen monasteries is mixed with millet to like, you know, have a little something, something, a little extra, a little bonus. When you're having the same kind of rice gruel and when there's someone mixes in some millet in the morning, it's like super exciting. We're saying what rice without millet from fields in the mountains, yellow pickled vegetables, eat as you like, eat what's plain. Otherwise, leave it to east and west. Otherwise, can go that direction or this direction. Please, fellow travelers, each of you make a effort. Take care. I love that this in many ways is Dogen is saying like this encapsulates the whole thing. Not too fancy. Don't be fancy. Stay where you are. Don't get blown around from east to west. Each of us make effort and take care. How do you plant your staff down? What are you committed to? And so I often think about like, you know, we've been doing a lot of filming the last, a lot of filming. <laughs> so some of you know, we have a new director of studies and he's really organized and getting us going. 
really wonderful. And we're working with this wonderful director and producer to film these talks so that we can make the teachings more accessible. Talks and the precepts, but Zen, and then also a guided meditation series. And uh, it's so interesting to think about like, what are they for? They're for when we're not here. I mean, it's like one of the ways to plant our staff in the ground and so that, you know, maybe other people will benefit. Maybe those teachings will help people see what's true for them. Again, it's not like we're telling anyone how it is, but we're just sharing our expression so that other people can, in each of us can have our expression. Very humbling. I've been feeling very humbled by the process. I'm really thinking about not about me. But how am I kind of a protector of the Dharma and doing what I can in my form and in my expression to have it continue? And that one of the aspects of the transmission ceremony is that, you know, really the basic thing is that you're inheriting the family shame of talking about what's most obvious and how embarrassing that is. Because the practice in many ways is very simple to say and takes everything to do. And the other part is to make sure that the lineage continues. Don't stop the stream. So it's so interesting, you know, I remember, you know, as a newish practitioner being actually also moved by that, like, wow, that's actually what inspired me to plant my staff in the ground and reading Dogen and hearing these little parts of his talks that I could actually understand at the time, but this, like his insistence on the continuation, the continuous practice that we've been studying. <laughs> Once again, I have like eight pages of notes. <laughs> Such a funny thing. But Furong Dokai, he lived from 1043 to 1118. And he was a student, a disciple. It's interesting, we don't often use that word disciple, but it's a interesting word of Tuzi Yi King. Um, and he was in earlier in his life, he tried to practice the Taoist arts of it because he really wanted to be immortal. 
So there's some, you know, emphasis in Taoism on Im immortality, but he couldn't achieve it. <laughs> so he moved on. <laughs> Which I was like, what's interesting, you know? <laughs> yet to meet the person who's achieved that. Because I think we often think about things in such concrete ways. But if we think about ourselves as elements and interdependent, there are no new molecules. So like in a way we are immortal, but not in this form. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about me. But our little oxygen and nitrogen and all those little elements will keep going. But I wanted to share two stories um, that have been important to me about Furong um, and about our ancestor who's in our lineage. And that there are two conversations with his teacher that the two of them really move me in these two different conversations. And one, Furong asked Tuzi, the words of the Buddhas and ancestors were about everyday things. So remember his poem from later, such as drinking tea and eating rice. Besides this, does the teaching have anything special? You know, it's like such a great, you know, there's so many teaching stories and koans about this same point. <laughs> yeah, I hear about the drinking tea and eating rice, but like, where's the like, you know, <laughs> the excitement. And his teacher said, you speak of the cosmic emperor's edict. Are you pretending to be Yao, Shun, Yu, and Tang or not? Cosmic emperor's edict. Anyone want that? Yesterday we were on the in the Zendo filming all day, and uh, it's just so interesting to you know, that desire for something more, something fancier. You know, it's kind of quite interesting also, like, you know, in these times they like really can't be fancy. So we have a very small team. It's only three people in the Zendo at a time. And two of them are people with their masks and, and then one person speaking. And then there's a robot too, who's filming. <laughs> Not too fancy, although the robot feels fancy and mysterious.
But I love when he, you know, his teacher asks him, are you pretending to be Yao, Shun, Yu, and Tang or not? Are you trying to pretending you're something else? Someone else? Those names could be like anything. Jack, John, Jaquan, Mimi. Are you comparing yourself? Are you looking for someone else's experience? Furong wanted to continue speaking, so like he was about to respond to his teacher after he said that. But Tozi raised his wrist and placed it over his mouth. <laughs> so maybe you've seen that we often use it for special ceremonies like Jukai, they have these wisps, these big kind of horsetail wisps. So he placed that over his mouth thing. If you have some intention, then you already deserve 30 hits for this stick. What's great about those whiz is actually they're really to like take the flies away. <laughs> they're very good for fly, to remove flies when it's really hot. But he's also like teaching his student, like, you know, you don't have to react. You have to like rebut everything. What would that be like just to relax? Just like, wonder about what someone is saying. How many times have you just jumped in and filled the space? So the 30 blows is kind of a famous thing. It's just like, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> That's basically what the 30 blows is about. Because it's actually like, you know, somatic, it's like, you know, Sometimes I do that to myself. Like I have a little stick too. And then sometimes like, you know, sometimes it's usually even a Kiyosaku, the awakening stick, but it's really just like, all oh, right, get out of your head. Get out of your head. It's good that you have a brain because it helps you like move one way or the other, but get out of your head as a place to live. Furong then experienced an awakening moment from having his teacher's horse hair in his mouth. <laughs> and he bowed and he turned to leave. Thank you. And his teacher said, come back, come back. Furong ignored him. And his teacher said, have you come to the place of no doubt? And Furong covered his ears. <laughs> the playfulness. I love these stories very often because it's like there's so much play and intimacy in these relationships. But also they're communicating. Like I'm saying, I don't, 
I'm not gonna engage again in that way. I'm okay. It's not being rude. They're being, they're actually just practicing together. They're expressing in a very different way how to be together. Very playful. And as I've been, you know, also thinking about, yeah, this, how to pass on the lineage, there's another little dialogue that I wanted to share with you about the two of them. One day, Tusi and Furong were walking in the vegetable patch, they had a little garden. Grow their food. And Tozi came up to Furong and handed him his teaching stick. Furong took it and then walked behind his teacher. My teacher said, Is this in accordance with principle? Furong said, Carrying the master's shoes or staff for him. It can't be otherwise. The teacher said, there's one walking with me. Furong said, who's not learning from you? When evening came, he said to Furong, the matter we spoke of earlier is not finished. Furong said, teacher, please speak your mind. Oftentimes, you know, sometimes students are like, oh no, it's not finished. <gasps> and I love this moment too. And the teacher, it just also says, you know, an aspect of where their relationship was. They're just, it's just like curious, like, okay, it's not finished, speak. And his teacher says, the morning gives birth to the sun, the evening gives birth to the moon. Your comings and goings, none of it like that of a disciple. So he's saying there's something different about you. that you're not acting as if you're a disciple. And this is something that's always been very important about in Zen, about this naturalness, whatever that means, because it looks a lot of different ways. And Furong said, taking care of the master's affairs, this is in accordance with the principles. And this is something I've been really thinking a lot about, just like, you know, it's not the master, the teacher and the student are not, it's in a way it's not personal. 
Like I was thinking about even Chota and myself, like it's not actually totally personal. Like, yes, we're, we're who we are, but we're also in a role. And the role is just to pass it on. It's not really about us. Like, <laughs> it's just the principle. And his teacher said, no, he, he continued, the master is advanced in his years. Neglecting him is unacceptable. And so his teacher says, so this is how you apply your diligence? And Kurang said, one should repay kindness. So interesting. To me, it's very much similar to my experience each morning of offering incense to our ancestor altar. Every morning I'm thanking them. And I feel like there's something really important about that and love being at the Zendo and be able to offer at our kind of more traditional ancestor altar and like really thinking of them. And the last time we were in Kyoto in February, you know, this wonderful man who we've been, he's been helping us get things for the center for, in our practice for 20 years or so. We met him for the first time and he said, you know, does your center have a ihai, a plaque for Dogen? And we, and for Keizan Zenji, the two founders of the Soto School in Japan, we're like, no. He said, and he gave us these two very beautiful memorial plaques. He's like, so now you're, you can remember Dogen Zenji in your daily practice. Like there's something about the very concreteness, even though we may appreciate him, but there's something about having that reminder not as an idea the way to repay the kindness checking in on you know i have to think about like our visit with diane and you know she had just lost her husband and checking in with her more regularly and seeing how she's doing and what she needs. How can I be helpful? Such a wonderful, to me, it's like a, such a beautiful way to think about practice in such an ordinary way. Right? To not really think about me and you or me and Diane, but like, all oh, right, it, we take care of our teachers. How am I taking care of them? How do I care for Mario Matheson and Tetsuken Glassman and Maizumi Roshi and Dogen and all of that? How do we take care of them in our practice? 
to me, they really inspire me quite a bit. So to me, this kind of reflection from today is really about planting our staff, getting serious, whatever that means. But getting deeper into gratitude and not so personal into the gratitude, not just personal gratitude. Furong, when he was dying, wrote this death poem that I want to leave you with, just a two lines of it. <laughs> I'm actually a couple, four lines. I'm 76 years old. My causational existence is now complete. In life, I did not favor heaven. In death, I don't fear hell. Hands and body extend beyond the three realms, beyond what we think, what this body is, what stops me from roaming as I please. Mm-hmm.